It is good to see you in the house of the Lord today on this beautiful day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it regardless of my circumstance, regardless of anything that comes my way. I will rejoice and be glad in the Lord. Amen? And I hope you have uh, got up this morning and decided that you were going to rejoice in the Lord and that you would be glad. And you know, you got options. You can not be rejoiceful. You can be mully grub and down in the pits and everybody around you just, when, you know when you're down in the pits and everybody says, how you doing? And you start in and they walk off. That's a pretty good indication. You didn't get up with a praise on your lips and you weren't that excited about today, amen? And so I want to get up and every morning and just thank the Lord and be, be glad that I'm up another day, amen? I'm able to do something for the Lord and I'm like the old little thing I saw on Facebook. It says, first thing I like to do in the morning, Jeremy, is I like to get up and get my cup of coffee. I love that and I like the sound of you saying nothing, Amen. <laughs> How many of you can, can I get a witness there? Amen. I like that. My wife loves that. Some of our best communication time is when I shut up. Amen. She really, we bond, Tyler. We bond together when I'm, you know it's bad. You know, you know it's bad when you get up and you're drinking that coffee and your wife's over there huddled up against, under a blanket, under a heater. You know, it's 95 outside, but hey, whatever. And... Uh, <clears throat> It, that amazes me. I know some of you women, you do that in the daytime and at nighttime you sweat to death. I don't get it. I mean, let's reverse this thing, Lord. But anyway, you'd be sitting there and, and all of a sudden you know, you know that it's time to, when your wife says, do you have to talk this early in the morning? <laughs> well, honey, I just want to get your day started, you know? So, Amen. Amen. Um, man, I want, if you have your Bibles, I want you to talk, turn to um, uh, John chapter, I don't know if I want to start in 1 or 14. Um, why don't I start in John chapter 14? I won't mess my media team up back there, amen. They were already looking at me. I saw Venetia over there at the computer looking at me saying, oh, I'm going to get on to you after church, you know. They, uh, they're, they're awesome back there as well. There's so much that goes on. Um, during the week, Eric, uh, um, and by the way, Eric and, and his lovely wife have got a job transfer, and they're going to be uh, leaving us uh, in, uh, next Sunday, will be your last Sunday here. They got transferred back to close to her parents in BB area uh, with his job, and they're looking into maybe having a baby, and so ain't nothing like uh, being around mamas and daddies uh, when you're going to have kids, amen? Can I get an amen from the grandparents, Amen. Amen. I like my kids being around me uh, for the grandkids. If that hurt y'all's feelings, children, I'm sorry. I meant that. With, I really meant that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> with love. Thank you for being there. Without you, couldn't have them. But glory to God. Amen. And so, um, so we're, we're grateful. But what I was going to say is there's so much that uh, Eric does behind the scenes, so much that has to happen during the week to make everything happen. This team back here is just awesome, and they've been so good about it, and they do that uh, so much volunteer work, four, five, six hours a week to mix down what you see on, uh, on, the, on the Internet. And so, because they make me look good. Yeah. Amen. Make me sound good, too, and take out stuff that I shouldn't say. So, uh, amen, amen. Um, I, I want to talk to you on the topic this morning out of John chapter 14, starting at verse 1, the way, the truth, and the life. 
the way, the truth, and the life. Continuing with what I've been preaching since January 1 on, on um, getting to know Christ, soul winning, come to know Christ. And, and uh, one of the reasons that we want to teach on it is because it lines right up with he's the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to know this. But, and so, um, you know, the other night I was watching uh, television the Smithsonian Channel. Now, how exciting does that sound to some people? I like the Smithsonian Channel. So I was watching the Smithsonian Channel, and I love this show called Air Disasters because they recreate an airplane crashing. Now, that sounds sick in their minds, but that's not really why I watch it so I can see people die. I watch the show because it's interesting to me because they figure out why. They get to the why an airplane crashed because they put all of these things in place uh, for this airplane to fly. And when it doesn't fly and do what it's supposed to, then there's a reason why it didn't do that. And so they, they recreate, if you will, the flight of this aircraft. And this, if there's a crash... They start the process of elimination. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A process of elimination. If that didn't work, do something different. But don't do that again because that didn't work, right? That's insanity, right? So, so we look at uh, why. So I was watching this show, and it was uh, in Switzerland. Uh, they were, this, this aircraft had about 33 people on there. And a seasoned pilot of 22 years had actually lived uh, where this, uh, in the same city where this aircraft was going to land. Had flown, uh, I think he had 17, 18,000 hours of flight time. I mean, and most of the in and out of this particular airport. Knew the area, knew elevations, and all of the, knew the mountains, and knew everything about this place. I mean, just had it memorized. Had a young pilot, a co-pilot that had been flying about a year and a half, um, right out of flight school, doing his thing. And if you know much about flight, they, they have charts and they have all kind of instruments in, in, a, in an airplane. I mean, they tell you everything from how high you are, how fast you're going, how far you are from the airstrip. I mean, they give you all kind of information. And a pilot that can fly by, that has an instrument rating uh, license, he can never look at the ground until he gets ready to land and fly a plane. Now they have it where you put it on autopilot and you just kind of make sure it's got fuel in it kind of thing, you know. And, and they also have an autopilot now that will actually land the plane for you. So literally what I'm saying is if you get on a plane, be sure there's somebody in the front because you might be in there by yourself. Amen? That'd be a terrible, wouldn't it? Who's the pilot? We don't have one today. And they tell you that when you're already in the air. I've got a serious problem then. So anyway, this airplane, and I'm, I'm taking a little time to, to, to make a point here. So this airplane takes off and it, gets to, and it gets within four miles of its destination. And it crashes. Off course. So they began as the uh, FAA came in and they began to set up their command center and they began to write possibilities of failure. This is important if you take a note spiritually. Some reasons, if you will. Possibilities of failure. So they began to write and they put out just all kind of stuff and they do the process of elimination, David. They start marking things off the list. 
They put up things, pilot error, equipment error, uh, the air traffic control. They put their name. Was that in there? All of these things that could possibly be a problem, they list. And as they get the black box back and they begin to investigate, they start marking things off the list. In this particular case, the, they, they looked at this list and automatically they said, the conditions, they had that, conditions were bad, so they, oh, that could be a possibility. And they go down this list, and they got to the pilot error. And they just said, cross that right off. This man's got experience. 22 years flying this kind of plane, living at this place, no possible way. They go start going through, and as they begin to receive the black box recorder and look at all of the way the debris was, was uh, scattered through the, through the mountainside there, all of those things, and only out of the 33, only five people lived. And as they recreate this on television, you begin to watch and you begin to look at things, and, and again, it's a recreation. But as you begin to see what they're get, the information you're giving, it's almost like it's a game. You're trying to say, where, where, what, what, what happened? And all of a sudden, you can come to your own conclusion. Most of the time, they spring something on you at the end, and it changes your mind on what you thought. And in this, they went through all this, and they found out that even though the pilot had 22 years of experience, it was pilot error. Why was that? When you come in contact with, when you take over from autopilot, if, if your plane doesn't have autopilot to fly, some, some runways do not have the capabilities to allow you to uh, fly, uh, land with autopilot. And, and so if you get to that point, you say, I manually have to take over. Things I got to do. And this pilot looked out of the window and said, I have ground contact. That tells the co-pilot, I'm taking over from here. Come on, somebody. I'm going to take over from here. Cut off all of the autopilot buttons because I'm going to take over. I got it. Sounds pretty good, huh? Problem is that the pilot, when they got all of the information in reviewed, he thought he saw ground. He thought he was on the correct path, trajectory, to land this plane on runway 28. One small mistake. Not a bunch. Done everything else right, but one small mistake. He forgot to look at a little instrument called the DME. Distance measuring equipment. Kind of important if you're going to land with low visibility. You need to know where the runway is. And by failing to look at that and going back through the voice recorders, right before he said, I have ground contact, the DME said, you're 4.9 miles from the runway. One small error. And he landed the plane into a mountain. He did have ground contact, but it wasn't where he should have seen it because he was too low and he didn't follow the instructions given that were totally calibrated to guide this plane into a safe landing. 
I want to talk to you this morning about an instruction manual that will help you land yourself in eternity with an eternal Savior called Jesus Christ. He says in his word that I am the way and the truth and the life that no man comes to me except through, the, through me, to the Father except through me. Let's read John chapter 14 verse 1. <clears throat> Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Come on. If it were not so, I would have told you. Come on. If it wasn't so, if there wasn't a place prepared for you when you come into Christ, he said, I'd have told you. I think a lot of times we're walking around in this world thinking, I don't know if I even believe that there's a place for me in heaven. But he says, I prepared a place, a mansion for you. And he says in, in verse two, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will Come on, I will. It's not optional. I might if I feel like it, if it lines up with my schedule. I will come again, is what the word says, and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now that's good instructions right off the bat. We could stop right there and say, man, he's got a place to for me, we know that he died and he left this place and he went there, so that lines up. And he says, if he's done that, I'm going to come again. Church, we have to, fathers, mothers, children, we've got to get the idea and get it settled in our heart that he's on the return. He's coming again and he's coming soon. And if we're not ready, guess what? We won't go. We've got to get ready to go to heaven. Amen? There's an instruction manual while we're here called the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. If you read that, look, there's some instructions in that thing. The problem is that I believe truly with all of my heart, we go through so many unwarranted things, un, 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 uh, things that we have in our lives because we're not following God's word. And when you don't follow God's word, you can do most everything right except for that pilot. He just missed one little instrument. It was about this big. In this big old jumbo plane, he missed one instrument, a three by three instrument that he failed to look at. And it cost him and 24 or five others their life. Look at the instructions. Look at what it's telling us to do. So it says in verse four, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. How do we know the way? The word. You got to get in the word. Amen? It says you know the way. Verse time, and, and, and old Thomas, old Thomas, you know, he, he oh, golly, he doubting Thomas. Thomas jumps up and says, hey, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Thomas has been with Jesus this whole time. Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he said, I don't know where you're going. People, people say they're Christians all their life. I don't know where I'm going. I'm so messed up and confused. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You don't know the way? You don't know Jesus? What is it you don't know? If you get in God's word, you've placed your trust and faith in him, he gives us his word for you to know. Amen. Jesus said to him in verse six, I am the way and the truth and the life 
And no one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to heaven, the only way to marry with Christ is through Jesus. The only way to get married to the, to the, to the bridegroom, which is God, is to, is to come in knowledge of Jesus, have faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. You get married into him, and now guess what? That's how you get to the Father. I know this is elementary, but I believe we've lost some elementary principles on what our Christian walk should be based on. And it is, first, we've got to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get that relationship? You've got to know him. How do you know him? Place your faith, your trust, your confidence, if you will, in him. That what he said he could do, he will do. That's why you have prophecy in the Bible. You know why you have prophecy in the Bible, right? Uh, stuff that's happened 15, 16, 1700 years ago. Up to, it's, it's really not for you other than this. To build your confidence in that what he said he would do, he would do. That's what prophecy's for. And the Bible says if you prophesy something that don't happen, you're a false prophet. Amen. Now, flip with me, if you will, to uh, John chapter 1. I want to say something, um, well, I'll, I'll say that in a minute. <clears throat> Maybe I'll get to it. Amen. About John chapter 14. But John chapter 1, verse 1. I think they took John chapter 1, verse 1 out of my Bible. There it is. Hey, man, you ever done that? Boy, you get up and you get nervous. Where'd that go? Where'd that go, you know? Did I tear that out? Especially those little books got like two pages to them. You really think you know the Bible and you flip it and you go back and, you, and then you try to turn around and look, and look in the, con, in, in, in the con, contact, uh, what do you call it, contents up front, find out what page it's on. Amen. Lord, that's why most people don't bring their Bible. It's not because they don't like the Bible. It's because they can't find nothing in the Bible. You know why you can't find nothing in the Bible? Because you ain't looking in the Bible. You know why I can't find nothing in the grocery store? Because I don't go to the grocery store. My wife sends me to the grocery store and I said, answer your phone when I get there because I'm going to have some questions. See, to me, if I go in for hamburgers, everything that has to do with hamburgers, everything ought to be right there. From the meats to the onions to the mayonnaise, I went for hamburgers. I didn't go for it. But no, you got to get the hamburger meat. We didn't get to go over and get the mustard. Oh, you got to go back on the other side, honey, to go over and get the, get the onions. Who thought of laying out a grocery store is what I want to know. Dear Lord. So the reason that I don't know where stuff is in the grocery store because I don't go. By choice. The reason we don't know what's in this Bible because we don't read it. That's right. By choice. Glory to God. In the beginning was the Word, the Bible, and the, begin, uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you want to know what God's speaking, you can get in God's Word. Amen. It's an instruction manual. It's the instrumentation that if you get into it, you can follow it, and it will land you safely being married to Jesus Christ one day in heaven when he returns. You can land safely there if you get in this book. Now, look, I've been a pilot. I've landed before, and praise God that I landed. But said, Lord, I don't want to land it that way again. Amen. You know something's wrong when you see, you're at the airport and you see a little plane and that rascal comes in like this, like it's on one leg. 
And then it's like this. And then you see it doing this. You're thinking, clear the runway. Something's fixing to happen bad or real funny. Most of the time it's funny. When I got my license, they tore off the back of my shirt. Because that's what you do when you get your license. And my instructor said, see, I, I wanted to be on the ground, Jeremy. We up. Next thing, let's get, let's get close as we can as soon as we can, right? Don't want to fall out, don't run out of gas. So on the back of my shirt, because he was always telling me this when I got ready to land. Because I'm thinking, okay, we're here. I don't want to drop out of the sky. Let's go and get on the ground. I just, we're going to get down. And on, he was always saying, pull, 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 pull. In other words, pull back on the yoke so we just float into it. And on the back of my shirt that I still have that's torn off, it says, pull, pull, pull. I've had some of those landings with that. And I don't know if that, that flight instructor got saved or not, but I bet he got real close if he didn't when he flew with me. And the word says this in verse 2, and the same was in the beginning with God. What was it? The word, God, and everything, they're all together, and they were in the beginning. So the word was there. It's already established before you showed up. This word was established before there was a, a man or a woman to write it down. This word has already been established. You don't have to redefine it. You don't have to figure out what it says. It says what it says, and it says what it says. Amen. And all things, it says, verse 3, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. He is the author of everything. He is the alpha. The alpha means the beginning. He was there in the beginning. He was there and told the beginning to start to begin. That's what God is. He was just there. How did God, I don't know, he's just there. Some things, he's a supernatural God, and some things you got, just got to trust that he was there. Amen. In him, oh, I like this. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In who? In him. Where do you find life? In him and in this word because the Bible says that it's in this word that there's life and there's truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's in this word. But if you don't know this word, I want to tell you, that's why you feel dead all the time. That's why you're decaying all the time because you, you, you don't have any life flowing through you. My dad is a, is a cattle rancher. has cattle. And um, in the summertime, he has ponds that in the summer, in the, in the mountains, the water in the winter flows down, fills up the ponds. But in the summer, unless there's some rain, there's not any water flowing in, and if it doesn't get to a certain height, nothing flows out. And in the summertime, that thing will get stagnant, nasty, stink, and the more cows go in and they just waller off in it and drink it, and I'm thinking, good Lord, Dad, you need a water hose or something somewhere, you know. But it's stagnant. It's still water, and it still gives some life. But you know, if you don't let this word flow into you and get into the word and process the word, you become stagnant and you, you may have a little life, but you're just there. You just show up. Here's an indicator. You just show up to church. You, you don't get engaged before you leave your house with God so when you come, you can receive. It's not the pastor's job 
nor the worship team's job, nor the teacher's jobs to get you to a place where you're just so full and bubbly when you leave when you came in so dead and dry. Are we here to encourage you and lift you up? Absolutely. But it starts at the house. Enter into his gates with and to his courts with you have to do something in order to position yourself so that God can do something in you and through you. And when you leave, you'll be like, man, that was good. You'll even say the preacher did so good this morning and it might have been the worst message I've ever preached in my life. Because you received something because you prepared yourself, you studied God's word through the week, you set your family together and said, I don't know what's gonna happen today at church, but we're gonna get whatever's gonna happen. My God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Your life, when you get life in you, guess what? Your life should be light to men. You should express light. You should express to other people life. I've never wanted to follow anybody that was mully grubbed and down and out and woe is me. And every time you talk to them, it was just woe is me. We said it in Bible study. If I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You don't remember Hee Haw? Some of you don't remember Hee Haw. That's the first pornographic television program for the family. Come on. I still blush today when I watch the Lord. Jesus, look at there. Ooh. Tell the kids I'd run and go to the other room. Come on, I'm just picking around, but you know what I'm saying. And that song depicted uh, those people that would sing, whoa, gloom and despair, agony on me. Yeah, that's what I want to be like. Lost your mind. No, I don't want to be like that. I want to be full of life. God called you to have life. And he said, I'll give you life and that you'll have it more abundantly. You don't walk through this thing thinking, boy, I hope I make it through today. I'm going to make it through today. And if I don't, my reward is I get married to Christ. Whoa. Amen. Let me move on. I got to hurry, don't I? 1147, glory to God. I feel like Wednesday night. Got to hurry. And verse 5, and the light shineth in the darkness. God's light, he's light, shines into the darkness where you and I are, and the darkness comprehended it not, didn't know what to do with it. Isn't that awesome? You serve a God, and when he shows up, most people don't know what to do with him. Here's normally what we do with him. Well, let's just put him in my intellectual box, and when I can figure him out, then I'll do something with him. I want you to understand this. God doesn't fit in your intellectual box or into mine. I want him to. Oh, I can make, oh, I can come up with it. But he is God all by himself. He is the alpha. He was before the beginning that you cannot explain. So with that alone, you can't explain everything about God. You just have to have faith and believe and know that what he says, he can do. Amen? It goes on and says, in, <clears throat> um, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. 
that all men through him might believe. Okay, come on. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. I believe we miss a whole lot right here in that scripture. When we become a Christian, we are sent, much like John, to be a light, to bear witness of a light that should come into people's hearts, into their lives when they surrender to him. But most of us walk in darkness, so we have no light within us. And if God does show up in our lives, we say, what was that? Just like the words that didn't comprehend it. Because we don't like what he says. We don't want to conform us to him. We want to conform him to us. No, he's the light and you're dark. When he shines you, you don't comprehend him. You're just like, what? And then you start conforming to what he wants you to be, not what you want him to be. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not a vending machine. You put a little in, I paid my tithes. I think I want to get something out. He's not that. He's not a prostitute. You can't give a little money and, have, and satisfy your flesh. He's God, and he's God all by himself. And if we'll get in this word, and we'll let it resonate in our spirit and in our heart to say, God, what do you want to do in my life? And just see what God wants to do in your life. And let him do it. There's this process. What do you want to do? Show it to me. Then you got to let him. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hurry and move on. I'm going to try to get you out of here by midnight. I mean noon. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. You hear what I said? Jesus is in the world, and this thing was made by him, and we don't know him. You and I were made by God. By, by God, in his image. Before you ever knew anything, you were made, formed in your mother's womb. And in the darkness of the womb, you were formed and God knew you. He knows about it. And somehow, we got most of the world today that don't even know him and he created us. Y'all better be glad I ain't God. Mike, be glad I'm not God. Because this would all be so different. Because my son, he going to know me. Amen. If I, I'd come down to each one of us and say, hey, you're going to know me. I'll tell you what you're going to know. I'm, we, mm-hmm. I birthed you, boy. I took care of you. I gave you breath in your lungs. You're going to know me. Thank God don't do it that way. But we don't even know God. And the churches, most of us don't even know God. It's time we get to knowing God. I'm talking about the God of the Bible, not the God of your intellect, not God what you think he is. Know the God of the Bible and start conforming to what God says is true in your life and what God says about himself. And then life will start to come to you in Jesus' name. In verse 11, and he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many, and, and you can read a whole lot into that. You can talk about Israel right there. You, you, you can talk about uh, who, who he elected. You can talk about 144,000. You can talk about other, but he's talking about me and you too. He came unto his own. Why? Because we're made in his image. 
were his. He purchased us with a price. Come on, on a cross. He purchased you. Now, whether you've received that gift or not, that free ransom gift, that's up, I don't know. But you're his. You've been bought with a price. When I buy something, it's mine. I have the right when I buy it to do whatever I want to with it. I've got a whole laundry room stuff full of stuff that I bought that I don't do anything with. I just wish I had the money that I spent on the stuff that I thought I needed that I ain't never used. Praise God. But as many as received him, he came unto his own, which is us, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. You must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. If you, the Bible says that if you try it any other way, you're a thief. And thieves don't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have the opportunity, right here, let's read it. But as many as received him, that word is lambino, which means to procure, to seize, to hold, take hold of, to apprehend. But let's, so let's read it with the Greek definition. But as many as took hold of, procured, in other words, apprehended what Christ had given, the gift, how many of you know it's not a gift? It can be a gift, but if you don't open it, it don't mean anything to you. I won't do this, Ralph, but if I was to give you a birthday gift, the reason I won't do this is not because I don't like you. There's other reasons. Um, <laughs> but if I give you a gift, I say, Ralph, boy, what you got? This gift is awesome. You say, oh, man, Pastor, thank you for that gift. And, and, and three months later, I'm at Ralph, I'm, I'm over at Ralph's house, and he's changing a tire with a four-way lug wrench. Anybody know what a four-way lug wrench is? Why do you still have those? They make electric tools for that. <laughs> Glory to God, air tools. And so I go to Ralph's, and he's taking this tire off. And I say, Ralph, what are you doing? He says, I'm taking this tire off, Pastor. Uh, I know what I put in the gift. I put him a DeWalt 20-volt impact, half-inch impact wrench. He don't know because he ain't opened it. I say, Ralph, did you open that gift? Ah, oh, God, I put it back over there on the shelf. You should go home and open that gift. Ah, oh, Pastor, I, you know I don't need what you, what you gave me. You may not need it to get through this life, but you're going to need it when you get to that life. You're going to need what Christ gave you, that free gift. You're going to need to receive that gift, and you've got to open that up. And you know what that means? When you open up, I guarantee you, if I took that to you, Ralph, when you open that up, you're going to say, well, the pastor is awesome. And you're going to use that tool to make your life easier, right? Because it's a gift. You didn't have to go buy it. It's a gift. You ain't getting one. I thought I made that clear in the beginning. Did I, can I get amen? Did I make that clear I wasn't getting him anything? No. So, so my, my point is this, church, and I'm, I'm going to hurry. My, my point is this. There's a gift that has been given to every one of us. And if we're to be that light unto the world, should we not take a gift 
of salvation, not that you can save people, but that gift and explain that gift that Christ has already given to us so that others may receive that gift. Should we do that as a church? Should that not be our purpose as a church is to go out and extend the free gift that's been given to us that others may receive? Absolutely, yes. That's one of our purposes and I will hurry. Since this, this gift is, uh, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. You're born into God. You're blood-bought, born again. Even to them, can I have you come to the piano, uh, Lee? Even to them uh, that believe on his name, verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of will, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How do you get there? God has a plan, has always had a plan for your redemption. In the beginning, before the beginning, he had a plan for your redemption. He had a plan on how to get you married to the Father. It's not a secondary plan. God didn't make a mistake in Genesis and and with Noah and with the New Testament. He didn't say, oh, Lord, I messed all that up. No, God didn't mess anything up. Man messed it up, but not God. But he's had this plan of redemption. You can't save yourself is what Scripture says. It's not by, your, it's not by the flesh. Let's read it again. It's not by, not, uh, you're not born of the, um, which were born not of, of blood. In other words, a natural blood burden. You can't go back into your mother's womb. It's not talking about the blood of Jesus. Nor of the will of the flesh. In other words, you can't will yourself. You can't, you can't, want, you can't save yourself. Come on, you can't check enough boxes to get saved by yourself. You must apply the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, nor the will of man. I can't will myself or desire myself to be saved. But it has to be upon the Holy Spirit drawing man, all men unto him. And he says, if, if, I draw, if you lift me up, I'll draw all men unto me. And what, can, what does that mean? They can receive this free gift of salvation. It comes down to this. The light was sent into this world. To shine into the darkness. And you can receive that or you can reject that. It's up to you. You have to pass through. Hear me, church. You must pass through the waterfall of the blood of Jesus Christ that flows from Calvary in order for you to be saved and set free and cleansed from your sins. There's only one way to be married to enter into heaven and it is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. It's time that the fathers and the church folks and the pastors get saved. Fall in love with Jesus all over again.
It's time. It's past time. Pastor, why are you on this salvation thing for the last three or four weeks since January? A couple of reasons. One, I don't want you to go to hell. Number two, the church ought to be the light that's shining into the darkness to people who will go to hell unless they hear the gospel and receive a gift that's been freely given. And it is the church's responsibility to take that out into the world. Sow seeds. You sow seeds of the word of God. You don't know where it's going to fall, what ground it's going to fall on, but you sow seeds. So if you'll stand with me in this building. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.